podcast host of the She's Hungry podcast, Isn't Enough, Kate also operates as a founder of She's Hungry Co., a professional photographer, motivational speaker, and as a social media manager for several businesses around Portland, Oregon. As a Pittsburgh transplant, Kate understands the power of growing your own brand to stand out when nobody knows who you are. We look forward to learning more about the creative visualization and general life coaching that Kate brings to the Bottle Bond podcast. Each episode, we will have a drinking word or phrase. When you hear this word or grouping, that is a reminder to sip your cocktail of choice. So sit back and get tipsy. Today's drinking word is truth. And we are sipping on a little bit of coffee at the Vito co-working space in Portland, Oregon. And we threw in a shot of apple cider vinegar. So let's welcome Kate. before this just chatting and shooting the shit did we not yeah no seriously uh Chrissy has so much knowledge and to be able to like sit down and just like girl talk about entrepreneurship and and all the things branding it's like just it's been so much fun oh you are so <laughs> sweet okay so I have to ask what is your favorite drink um okay so recently I've been on a whiskey kick like really yeah I think like call it fall call it whatever actually it's kind of funny because my boyfriend um we were in Bend uh over the summertime and when we drink we make really random drunk purchases oh I and love he it. bought this like tap but it's made out of a stone so you put the bottle in the top of the stone and it like turns into a tap so it's like it's really cool but it costs 165 dollars and we're like do we really need this like no probably not <laughs> but now we like find fun whiskeys and we put them in but typically speaking cocktail margarita like through and through oh i love margaritas oh, i was just yeah. in cabo and we were chugging tequila like it was our job my favorite is um the casamigos oh yes and the bottle is so cute it's so cute i'm like god this is so instagrammable oh <laughs> I know. Um, there's actually a new tequila that I just tried. It's called Yayo. Okay, never heard of that. Um, they just actually did a whole rebrand, and the bottle is super Instagrammable. Ooh, so okay, I'm going to have to check Let that you know. out. Yeah. Perfect. It's, it's so cool. But, yeah, I actually love that you went to Cabo, like we were saying, because I have my family has a timeshare in Cabo, and I love it down there so I much. know. We started chatting because we were supposed to actually do this podcast last week, and then when we started texting, we found out all these different things that we literally would have never known about each other. <laughs> I know. So we were like, it was actually meant to be. It was. It really <laughs> was so tell everybody a little bit about your background and what actually brought you to Portland yeah so I am originally from Pennsylvania I moved out here three years ago to become a food photographer and so going to college I've studied all kinds of photography they didn't teach me how to do food but I grew up Italian so it was like come on it's like a running joke in my family that I would not find a way to get paid to eat but I proved them wrong (laughs) (laughs) I love that if I could do it I would and (laughs) it is It is just so much fun. The people that you meet, um, I actually have a huge background in psychology too. So it was really cool to kind of bridge the gap between people and humanity and food because food, you can, it gives you a bridge to talk to anyone. So when I came out here, which is like a very large story on how I got here, it was kind of an accident. I was supposed to move to Boulder, Colorado, but um, yeah, coming out here 
and meeting everybody and the passion behind food and like the roots behind food. Everybody, there's so many restaurants out here that if you get to know the chefs or like the cuisine behind it, there's so much authentic value that they're delivering. And you can have like Portland is such a unique experience. And I've heard things about Austin. I've never been there, but where you can have like an entire global experience, like authentic global food experience just by traveling to certain food carts. And it was so, it was so cool to immerse myself in that. And I knew that, that this is where I wanted to live because A, the community, B, the weather, and I can get paid to eat. So no, why would you not? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I just had to move all the way across the country. Um, <laughs> just to make it happen. Yeah, whatever. Easy, you know. Easy, yeah. super. It was like, okay, this is what I wanted to do. It was funny because I just kept telling people oh well I'm moving to Portland and then another month would go by then oh okay I'm moving to Portland and another month would go by but it was one of those things that I wasn't gonna let the shame of not getting it done stop me from doing it because there was something that I knew I needed to do out here and that was really cool and really important but even my family they were like Kate it is I, I did this trip in November of uh, 2014 and I decided I was going to move in January of 2015, and I didn't actually get out here until January of 2016. But the whole year, I was like, I'm moving to Portland, I'm moving to Portland, and another month would go by. And we got to October, and that's when I hit my breaking point of, like, I have done – I've gotten no progress. Like, I don't have anything more to show anyone or myself that I really took this dream seriously. And then an email popped in my email that was like, from cheaptickets.com or something like that. That was like a one-way ticket to Portland, January 7th for $131. I booked it right there. That is amazing. I was just going to ask you that question. So that is fantastic. Going into food photography, what are your favorite places in Portland to like eat and go? I am such a foodie. It was so funny when we were messaging, like I said last week, she sent me all these pictures of um, Portland Nacho Week and all of her like lineup of each one you're going to go to. Oh my God, this is like borderline embarrassing. Uh, no, I love it. This it, is my favorite. I love, well, I it's just, I mean, this is the question that I get asked the most because everybody's like, oh, Portland, because it's overwhelming. Like there's so many places to eat out here and depending on what you want or depending on what you're looking for, I mean, you can go on Yelp, but like it's just, it gets so, it just, it does, it gets so overwhelming. And so, I mean, it really depends on what it is that you're looking for because I could give everybody a full book. But as far as I love wood-fired food, like anything Ooh, that is made on fire, like with fire instead of like on a grill top or in an oven or whatever, it's so much, it takes so much more finesse. And so if you can create cuisine and food, like servable food around that, it's like why when, if anybody like goes camping, it's like why we like cooking over a fire. It's like why we like marshmallows, that like carbon. Yeah, that's my favorite. Yeah. Have you been to, I think it's 1927, the s'mores place in downtown oh, no, Portland. I haven't been there yet. It is brand new. And it's like, I believe it's the first s'mores like restaurant or little pop-up um, oh in, cool. in the United States. <gasps> no way. Yes. Oh, and man, it's I'm in Portland. Go. And I went and I surprised my boyfriend with like all these different s'mores. There's one, I believe called Moose Tracks. So it has oh, like stop. caramel and pretzel bits. And I'm oh. like a big big salty sweet kind of me girl. too oh, it, girl oh. the other day I was walking through Costco and I was like do I need these two jars of huge Nutella and this big bag of pretzels yes, because you do. I, I feel like I, my boyfriend was like no we do not but I, I felt like I did um but as far as like I love any wood-fired food so in Portland um 
my places that I'd recommend. I love Bar Casavale. Um, they have it's on Sandy. They have amazing food. Their happy hour is awesome, like insane. So go. Also, if you like a good gin and tonic, they make really Instagrammable ones there. So and they're very very good. Also, my second favorite place is Lechon. It's down on North or er, NATO, um, in Southwest, and they also have a really great happy hour. They have an in, in amazing margarita. Um, and it's like a little bit smoky. It's really awesome. Um, I highly recommend that place too. So those are some good ones. I haven't gone to any, so I'll make sure to link all those in the show notes for everybody. So you guys can go back. You can stalk the places (laughs) and book your reservation. They're really, they're really fun. They're really great places. But yeah, if you ever, anybody listening to this, if you ever need, if you have family coming into town, I'm an expert at this point. Um, Literally, anybody wants to, you're going out on a date. I've had people message me randomly about, like, hey, I'm surprising so and so. She or he likes this type of food. Where do you recommend? And I will give you a plethora of choices. Oh my God. I've, over the last three years, it's like something I really pride myself on. I'm a directory. (laughs) Directory. So, um, speaking of food and products and all the things and services, what led you to start She's Hungry Co. And then what do you offer as um, that company? Yeah. So, I was super passionate about um, when I came out here how food was really the bridge. That got me the opportunity to talk to anybody I wanted to, essentially, and I love talking to people. But there was kind of a disconnect for the, the rest of who I am. So food was like it got me in the door, but it didn't allow the conversation to go really any deeper. And there's so much more to me. And it was this kind of a story inside of a story. But um, when I was in college, I was in a verbally abusive relationship. And I was always told that I was too much. Like, you feel too much. You think about this too much. You're too, in, you're, that's, you're invested in this too much. Like, you're over the top, you're too much. You're intense, all these things. And that was huge in how I showed up going forward. And when I came out here to Portland, I was like, here I am. Like, I get to be who I really am out here. And I was met with the same kind of mindset, which I am, I suck at small talk. Like if anybody meets me in a bar or anybody meets me anywhere, I'm like, so what do you want to do to change the world? (laughs) That's me too. I'm so terrible at small talk. You put me in a room and I'm like, okay, so if I can't go deep with you guys, what am I doing? Right. It's like, how do I get to know you actually? And so, but I didn't know anybody when I moved here. So I was like really on the, in a place of trying to meet people and really know them. And food, like I said, got me in the door, but it didn't allow for any other kind of connection. And so I started going to entrepreneurial events and different meetups and things like that. And there was such a like a disconnect between like business networking and like getting to know people. And I really wanted to build a community based on getting to know people. And it just so happens that when you show up with food, everybody likes you. So like <laughs> that is so true. Everybody like gravitates to the food. Yes. And it, it's like snacks. Like uh, if you if somebody hosts an event and you want me to show up, just tell me about their snacks. Like for real. <laughs> like through and through. How did you find um, the the different business networking um, like opportunities? Yeah. Is there like a website or like? So I used Eventbrite a lot. Um, and Eventbrite and, and actually Meetup.com. So it was really um, though I relied on them heavily. But again, it kind of brought me to this place where She's Hungry was not just about my appetite, but about my need for connection and my need for growth. Like, I'm hungry for all of these things. I'm hungry for real connection. I'm hungry for growth. I'm hungry for 
real authentic community and I would was going to these events and nobody was like telling the truth and about bit oh oh and truth. drinking we got a drink it was like a bulb went off in my head I know <laughs> like I was like oh I know I was like we um, haven't said it we haven't said it yet um but it, nobody was really like telling the truth or there wasn't a whole lot of authentic connection so I wanted to create a space where I felt like that was going to be that was what came first and when I declared this idea and created the space, it started on the podcast to be like, hey, I just want to create a community where we feel comfortable to show up and be who we are and that there isn't how much money you have in your bank account or how many referrals you have or if you have a business card to hand out. But it's about like your innate value as a human because everyone who has a story has something to give and something for people to learn from and something to connect from and something for people to attach to. And when you can see yourself in other people's stories, it gives you hope. And so to, to create a place around that, that's where She's Hungry came from. It was like we are hungry for more than it started in business but now is translated to kind of mostly women but men have showed up too, like across the board, just people really wanting to show up and build authentic, raw tell the truth relationships and how we can really help each other rather than through this whole like what can you give me it's how can I help you I love that so you kind of talked um you touched on the podcast and why you created it what would be some tips for people who are wanting to start podcasts um like how to do that and kind of their first steps in those in that field yeah I love this because actually next month I'm hosting my first like live course on like it's called the no bs of podcasting so I it's like tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth because I think there's so many resources out there that just it's it's like half it's like the icing on the, it's like no here here's actually what you do it's like your small talk almost yeah it's like it's, yes. it's just like that little oh my little god tip yes. and then there's nothing else right and you're like okay well I can do that like we talked about this like I can do a newsletter or I can do this and it tells you you know, to do that thing, but it doesn't tell you how to do it. Yeah, I need structure. Like, if there, uh, if there's anything I've really gathered about myself over the last three years is that I need a strategy and I need a structure behind something I'm going to be really successful in. And if I don't, if I go into something with this, like, romantic idea on how to get it done, um, I will rabbit hole, like, every all day, every day. Like, I don't know enough. I need to learn more. I need to know the best equipment. So... My first, like, if you want to start a podcast, you have to figure out what, like, why. And I don't mean in, like, this really romantic reason of, like, you have to find your why. You have to find the value you want to give people. Because why will people want to listen to you? You have, like, your story. I mean, get really honest about what your story is. Like, why you feel compelled to share your story. Um, when I started my show, I needed a place to be honest about not loving the job that everybody was telling me I was supposed to be loving at the time. Like, it was so isolating. And I, I was like, I cannot be in a, in a planet that has 7 billion people. I cannot be the only one that feels this way. And if I'm not alone in this, then other people need to hear this too. So whatever that looks like for you in your story, it's just sitting down and getting to know yourself and being really honest with what that looks like. And then really, like, this just buy equipment like get a mic it doesn't have to be the best one it doesn't have to be whatever like my mic literally cost me it's the same one I still use today when I started recording the podcast it was $35 on Amazon yeah Amazon is like they have starter kits for like yeah. under $100 like if you want to get it done 
get it done. Stop procrastinating. Like, just get it the fuck done. Like, stop. Don't rabbit hole because that is that is fear. That is fear creating an excuse for you so that you need to learn more. Perfectionism is fear. Like, these things, shame is fear. Like, all of these things that hold you back, that's essentially fear, and you just need to get out of your own way to do it. And the only way to do that, the only resolve to fear is action. So if this is something you're really committed to doing – then you just need to go on, buy a starter pack, buy a, just a mic, buy whatever. There's tons of free platforms that will record your show. When I started recording my show, I literally put it on SoundCloud because I was like, nobody's going to f- listen to this anyway. Like, whatever. And people started listening to it, and then it's not hard to submit it to iTunes. Like, it's not that complicated. It's like, sit down, figure out what value you want to give people. Step two, buy equipment. Step three, like, uh, submit, record it. Okay, like and also this is something is like when you record it, don't this is probably really like people are like, please don't say this, but (laughs) I'm going to say this. Don't listen to yourself. Don't like don't listen to the show. Just do it like hit like upload it to some platform. Put it out there because when you finally get on the other side of just putting it out there, notice how that makes you feel. It's not that it's perfect, but it's done. And that feeling, it's kind of like uh a little bit of like a addiction almost but not like it's that feeling of release like okay I did this thing now your whole like I talk about this a lot on my show like your energy knows that you're ready to take yourself seriously and I think that that's a whole lot of reasons why people don't get started or don't do things is because we just don't take our goals and our dreams and ourselves seriously enough and so when you just like get on the other side of like don't listen to yourself just upload it just do it. It doesn't matter. Like it does. Nobody's gonna listen to your show that one anyway. And if they do, it's like not like they're gonna look at it and be like, "Wow, they did the damn thing." They're not gonna sit there and criticize you on what it sounds like. And if they do, fuck those people because they're just in their own. Am I allowed to swear on the show? Oh, hundred percent. Okay. I swear <laughs> all the time. And it's like to add on to that too. They're most likely on the bench. Yes. Nobody is. That's out exactly there. what I was about to say. Yeah. There is nobody out there who is going to criticize you when they're on the field because they're playing the game. Yes. The people on the bench, the bench are going to bitch. Yes. Let them bitch and Let either em. listen to them. I always send them a nice little comment right back. Gotta yeah. mess with them. You gotta stir the pot a little. You like, got to. Because you are doing it. Like I say in Brene, like I read Brene Brown a lot and I she quotes the man in, her, in the arena like every book she writes. And it's like the people that are doing it are the only people who are allowed to give you constructive criticism and that's exactly what it's going to be. It's going to be constructive criticism on how you can do better. How you receive it, it, that's up to you because a lot of people even feel shame or feel some sort of way about constructive criticism and if you want to run a business you have to be willing to take feedback on that's going to be your best friend but if there are people that are not doing it and they're going to spend their time judging you for what you're doing those people have a lot more shit to worry about and it has nothing to do with you yeah so let it go yeah anytime that people come with their opinions to me about me I'm like honestly that's your perception of your reality that has nothing to do with me um Okay, next question. What have you learned about yourself since launching the She is Hungry podcast? Whoa. Oh, we're going Whoa, deep we're going there. We are going there. We are there. going there. <laughs> um, well, uh, I talk a lot about this in the second season of my show because I found my ego. <laughs> I stumbled on my ego. Um, so the podcast – Um, was ranked on iTunes and it was like the floodgates opened. It was um, at the the moment that it happened, I didn't even know that it happened until I opened my inbox and my DMs on Instagram. It was like, 
whoa. And I was so grateful. But that show, my show started out as a place to be honest, to tell my truth. And I needed it to, like, the integrity of holding that space is something that is so fucking important to me. Because it is the hardest thing we'll ever do in this life is to tell the truth about who we are and how we feel. And we don't do it nearly enough because of shame and fear and all these other things. And that's how the podcast started. It was just telling the whole truth and really getting to the bottom of life and business and our humanity. And when it ranked on iTunes and all these people started DMing me, it was like my five minutes of fame went right to my head and I put on like the Hollywood glasses and I flipped my hair back and it was just like, whoa. Um, and I started getting requests for people that wanted to be on the show from like they have TV shows on the Oprah Winfrey Network and they have best-selling New York Times best-selling books and all these other things. Like their PR people would reach out to me and they wanted to be on the show. And I was so like, oh my gosh, like I would call my parents, like I'd call, I'd like text Adam, um, my boyfriend, and I'd be like, oh my God, like listen to who wants to be on my show. Like, and I started curating it a lot more because I wanted it to sound like good enough for these people to be on the show okay well now I have to like what are my questions that I'm gonna ask or what are these things and my show doesn't have curation behind it because it's like whatever comes up in my opinion is supposed to be there and as long as we're consistently delivering the value that with the intention that we set out for that episode then I'm happy and I think that there's something that people are going to get out of it but I started curating the show to come to be more professional and all these other things and I was losing my why I was like losing why I started the like what value I was really trying to deliver and it started to get I noticed when I would be interviewing these people I this is like a little bit hard to talk about um bring it yeah like (laughs) I I I was I was feeling shame and I was questioning my worthiness and do you know why that is like why you felt that shame was it because of that curation it was yeah and the imposter syndrome like I was like do you like you're gonna be on my show like you're like this person on the Oprah Winfrey Network wants to be on my show and like I would sit and a lot of my episodes because people are not necessarily from here in Portland are recorded via zoom um so another pro tip like if you want to talk to people and interview people and you want to start your own show like zoom is a great free resource for you to get like really decent audio for people that are not um like in person in person yeah and um but I was like showing up and feeling like oh I have to like do my makeup or I have to like look really good what if they turn on the video I have to I have to like I had to put on a show and when I was when I I was like oh I had to be super done up and I had to put on this mask and this thing and when I was done with it I was so drained I would cry like I was crying I was like I don't know what is this doesn't feel good and every single time I do a podcast episode I feel so fucking energized afterwards I'm like yeah like let's go take on the world but I wasn't feeling that anymore and I actually didn't put out those episodes I abruptly ghosted my whole show which I we talked about a little bit. I was like, wow, and that's such a ballsy thing to do. How did you bring yourself? So when you stopped the show, was that kind of your way of being like, okay, I need to take a step back. I need to realize that like what I'm doing here um, needs a moment to process. Yeah, it was like I needed to gut check myself because I, again, my show and this brand and this platform is not about me. It is about 
the vulnerability in what other people are bringing into the space and I want to I have to walk the line of integrity with that I have to do it that way it takes me a lot longer it takes me it has to be intentional and when I knew I lost that I was disgusted with myself because I felt like I was taking advantage of people's time and there's nothing that I I say this at the end of almost every episode it's like thank you for spending this time with me because your time is your most valuable resource and the fact that you're spending it here with me means a lot and I take that so that so seriously and I felt like I was wasting people's time and wasting my own time and really upset with myself that I went there but I learned in all of that more now than ever where I stand and how like in I before we started recording this and I've just been kind of winging it with she's hungry this past like 10 months because of like deciding something and then gut checking did that feel right did that not feel right like is that something I'd be interested in and really going into 2020 with the intent with like that solid foundation and what it is that I want and how it is that I want to show up the only way I feel like I could have learned that is by having that experience. I agree. I totally agree. Um, a thing that we did chat before that I totally want to bring up and we haven't talked about on the show yet um, is about mental health. And yeah. um, that was one of the things um, that we actually found out about um, each other, that we both have brothers. Mine's schizophrenic. Um, and I shared that like on my Instagram and I've done a blog post about it, just about mental health and that you have a similar story with your brother actually. Um, and just getting like really real about like what that looks like. I feel like a lot of people have that shame, have that embarrassment. And I realized after I finally put it out there, how much, um, that made me feel better. And then you had all those people coming and being like, I have all these similar stories yeah and I think like as soon as you open up like you did and I did then we're like wow we have so much in common absolutely it's been huge I every day I ask in all the opportunities that I have like what is the most honest thing I could say about all of this and it's very difficult to operate on that from that place because it does require you to be really vulnerable a lot but when you do when you step out into that light area because I say shame only lives in the dark um when you step into the light and you just share it's it that again it comes down to telling the truth and and finding real human connection and through my situation with my brother and my family so my brother um when he was 17 he played ice hockey and had a rotator cuff surgery and got addicted to pain meds and it's we've been on that road for seven years and only recently in the last like nine months, probably even shorter than that, has he been uh, clean and like of he, he's like a different person. I mean, I said for the first time um, while I was home in July, I feel like I had the first adult real conversation and real relationship with my brother. Like we met each other in a place that I've never been able to have with him, and that and. For my parents, like, he's he's such a good person. And I've always seen that in him. And when he wasn't showing up in that, it triggered me. Because I didn't know how we grew up in the same house and you got to be like this. That's totally how I felt. Like, I relate to you on so many levels yeah. with that. And it's, it's tough. You're like, how did we grow up in the same place? And you, like, not have this, like, confidence in yourself or this, like, control or whatever it is that got you here and 
to watch this constant struggle for that long was just so painful and it made it harder because even when I moved out here and then I would go home for Christmas and see like try to reinsert myself in my family's life but like to see it be so broken and there they have like a system on how they deal with that brokenness but like I come in and stir the pot because I'm like how do we just settle here and it wasn't until like I had to have a really honest conversation with how I was going to like meet him where he was at and kind of um, not try to fix it all the time, but just like be a witness to what we're kind of going through. But to now be on the other side of it and to see all the things that he's doing or trying and accomplishing, I'm so proud of him, but it's still like this like dance of like, is this for good or where are we? Cause I mean, in last year, April of 2018, he OD'd twice in one day. It's crazy. And it broke my heart. And I, to, I, it broke my heart because I couldn't be there for my family. I couldn't do anything like that. And you don't know what to do and you don't know how to take care of them and take care of yourself. It's just, it's so much. But when I was just told the truth about all of that, like people, so many people were like, hey, me too. <laughs> yeah. And when you're honest about it, um, how do you, because I just had this conversation with my parents while we were in Cabo about navigating the holidays with that person, either in your family or without, you know, not being in your family. Like for me, um, my brother was in rehab, so we missed him for a few holidays. And it that kind of almost emptiness that you feel if you're like not with them, um, like we have like a fourth stocking with no extra person. Um, how do you navigate with your family, like the holidays, um, with that mental illness, um, kind of addition? Yeah. Um, and including my own, my anxiety is, it's just, it's off the charts and my anxiety also really provokes me in a way where I like, she, all she wants to do is it's like fight or flight and it's flight all the time. Like she's like, okay, we're going to fix it. We're just going to, we're going to like figure out, we're going to do these things. And now I've kind of like reworked it in a way where I can see that like it's really beautiful if anybody out there and you struggle with mental illness in that way it's a really beautiful thing when you can look at yourself and know yourself it's the biggest kind of advice that I have is like get to know yourself even when it's hard um but to kind of be able to go home and to know like this is not about me and like they're doing the best that they can and something that I had to learn through my mental illness of anxiety is because when I was in my abusive relationship when I was in college, um, I it, that's when it really kind of came to a head and really came out for me um, because of my relationship with my parents because they weren't around a whole lot when I was a kid. So this constant need to feel supported and feel seen and feel loved. And when my partner was abusive and really horrible, um, he would kind of just zone in on that and he would say really bad things and then he would leave. And that was the worst thing that you could have done for me because then I, I think, oh, my God, or like, what did I do? How could I fix this? I, you're never coming back. And how that kind of translated in with my family is the same thing. It was like, I just want to fix this. I want to fix it. I'm the glue. Like, how can, we, how can we come together? How can we do that? But when you can step outside of it and really look at the situation and find that your, your parents are not 
the labels that we give them. Your brother is not the label that you give him. They are the people they are first. And you've got to find a way to love those people, not the labels. The expectations we hang, like my mom should be like this. Or my dad, dads should be like this. Moms are supposed to be this. Like our brother is supposed to be this. You grew up in the same house as me. House as me. How you're supposed to be like me. You're supposed to, you should be able to cope and to deal. And I, holding those kinds of expectations, I really had to take a step back and realize that that wasn't on them to hold up to those expectations. It was on me to find a way to see the people that they are before they became those things and meet them there. And that was so hard, but it's really changed a lot going home for the holidays and being like, you know, like these are the people that you are and I've got to just, I'm going to love you from here and I'm going to do that for me because this, I only get so much time with you. Yeah. And I love that. I think that that's such a great way to look at it because I've had a really hard time um, with that just in general and like almost removing those labels, I think helps so much as like kind of your perception on them and who they are in the family. So I love that. Thank you. So how do you strategize your day? Because I feel like you do so many different things and like I'm in the same boat. Oh my God. Like so many different hats. So I know that people want to know like how do you do it um, in a way that works for you because everyone's so different. Oh, for sure. And I actually just like came up with this new system that really works for me. It's uh, so every morning I had the same, I have the same practice essentially is where I write down three statements of gratitude that something that I'm grateful for in the last 24 hours because we're in a society that promotes gratitude, like it's, I don't know, coffee. Um, we, it's really easy to be like, well, I'm grateful for my family and I'm grateful for my friends and the roof over my head. Um, but it's harder to find gratitude in the monotonous like routines that we find that we have every day. Like, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm like, okay, 24 hours just went by. What the hell did I did? Did I do? No, totally. Yeah. And so it really forces me to, in the moment, recognize, wow, I'm super grateful for this. Like just yesterday, I was coming back from a photo shoot and I noticed all the fall colors on the hillside of where OHSU is. And I was like, wow, I'm really grateful for the place that I live because it's fucking beautiful. And when you recognize that and you can, you like search for gratitude throughout the day and it's a huge mindset shift. Um, so then the next morning I go back and I, I write it out like, what was I grateful for? Well, I was grateful for, like I said, the beautiful leaves and where I live. I'm so grateful for that um, because Pennsylvania is super ugly this time of year. <laughs> <laughs> um, or at least it's getting there. Like you, you have like a hot two minutes of really beautiful leaves and then it's over. Um, and then I, the second practice is kindness because I think as a society we're super mean to ourselves and we're really hard on ourselves. So it, I take this time to recognize where I'm really trying and what that looks like and how I'm showing up and like even this morning I wrote it's not what you do or how much you get done but it's how you make people feel and it's kind of a spin off that other quote that's like floating around out there but that really made a difference for me because if as an entrepreneur you have a to-do list that is never ending and at the end of all of the days sometimes I feel like I just never get at all I like I feel inadequate because I didn't get it all done and that's that's really challenging and then I write down my goals and this is the part that I shift shifted and I think is super super powerful for me instead of writing just the goal down and writing it down as if it's already done which was the original practice I write down I am the woman that 
And so it's not just, so I'm a New York Times bestselling author or I'm uh, the, I don't even remember all the other ones. I can't even talk. Who cured cancer. Yeah, like, but instead of just writing down the goal, so um, I have a nonprofit that helps kids um, restructure their mindset from a younger age to be more positive. I am the woman who heads the foundation that is titled this. And I like that. You're speaking it into existence. Yeah. And I feel like as soon as you see that, then you're empowered to go do that because you're like, it's happening. Yeah. It's already done. I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. It's already done. It's like, okay, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. But writing, I am the woman, it like injects it with confidence that feels powerful rather than just saying, I am a New York Times bestselling author. It's like, I am the woman that has or like I am the person that has or whatever you identify as but like injecting yourself with that I am this or like not New York Times bestselling author like your words are so powerful so be really intentional about them that's my biggest my biggest advice and again really just get to know who you are even when it's scary even when there's things that you're not proud of how you show up I mean I have a level of like sailor mouth confidence about me that in this space I've really been a little bit scared to be because self-help and self-development, it's a vulnerable place and you want to be gentle. But there comes a time when, like, this train is fucking moving and you've got to run, girl. Yeah. You've got to run. you got to do the work. And, look, we're all right here with you. But, like, I can't – I cannot do it for you. I can't – you can't. You have to be able to – motivation is not a thi- – I was just saying this. Like, motivation is not just a temporary fleeting thing. Like – Motivation is how seriously you take yourself. And until you're willing to have that conversation with how seriously you take yourself and why you don't, you're not getting anywhere. And you're not moving. And I feel you on the um, on the sailor talk. My dad calls me his little truck driver. <laughs> <laughs> my dad um, stopped listening to my show because, <laughs> because it was just too much. But yeah, it it just have the conversation because if you can't take yourself seriously, no one will. I love it. That's such a great way to wrap it up. So where can everybody find you? Pimp yourself out. Ah, um, okay. So obviously go subscribe to the She's Hungry podcast. Like, come on. Um, shameless plug. Uh, <laughs> I love a good shameless plug. Yeah, whatever. Um, and we were just talking about this. Like, you have a show. You have something. Talk about yourself. It's fine. Um, and also She's Hungry Co. on Instagram. It's She's Hungry Co. on yeah, on Instagram, there's also a website, www.sheeshungryco.com. If you're interested in photography, there's katepearson.com, C-A-I-T-P-E-A-R-S-O-N.com. But I mostly live on Instagram. I love hearing from people. I'm so goofy and weird and normal. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, hard to find these days, damn it. <laughs> so just, like, follow me on there. I would love to talk to you about all the things. I love meeting new people, so. Well, let's do a little cheers yes. to all the truth that happened today. All the truth. <laughs> so much truth. Bye, guys. So if you haven't rated and reviewed the podcast, we are on Apple. We are on Spotify. Check us out. Um, thank you for spending um, this little afternoon with us and hanging out with us girls. Um, yeah. So I will see you guys soon. Talk to you all for now. <laughs>